The following presentation is brought to you by The Mutual Network. Better living through audio. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Junior. King Junior. But it's been longer than I can remember since anybody called me that. I fight crime. It's what I've always done. I'm a dog. It was a day like any other as I lay on my back by the radiator in my office, waiting for trouble to spill through the door like a bad stain, leaking off the papers of law and order. Some days, it just didn't pay to get out of the cardboard box in the corner. It looked like this might be one of them. I pulled my ears down tight and tried to let the gentle hiss of the heater lull me back to sleep. But the woman's voice made it nearly impossible. I had tried to like my assistant's new lady friend. Truth be told, she seemed like a nice girl. But she had a bad habit of sitting in my spot beside him on the couch. And he had developed a tendency to spend less time scratching my ears when she was around. And that made it difficult. Sure, I liked to see the big lug happy, but I couldn't help but wait for the other shoe to drop. After a while, I gave up on my early afternoon nap and decided to tough it out until mid-afternoon siesta. It was about then that the door opened and my girl Friday came in, looking flustered. Hi, Trixie. Oh, hi, Dot. You dumped this loser yet? Are you ever going to get tired of that line? Who says it's a line? Listen, kid, if you can stand to tough it out until next Tuesday, I've got the next three days in the pool. I'll see what I can do. I better get going. Don't leave on my account. It's all right. I just stopped by for lunch. I've got late shift tonight, but I'm done at ten. See if you can't keep him out of trouble that long, would you? Can't make any promises past five o'clock. No late case work? No case of any kind. Or work, for that matter. Good thing I stopped by with lunch. It really is. Do you ever feed scraps to King? Scraps? You mean the butt end of your sandwich that I've been eyeing since you set it down? Get off. I'm trying to butter him up. I don't think he likes me. He likes you fine. Gimme. <laughs> you get plenty of buttering up, thank you very much. Careful. I did just eat, you know. Come here, King. Here, fella. If you really want to butter him up, you wouldn't make him get up. Oh, for Pete's sake. How did you make this poor dog so lazy? He's not lazy. He's thinking great thoughts. There you go. All right. Be careful. I have no plans to need to be careful. King, make him be careful. I tried to answer in the affirmative, but my mouth was still occupied with a bit of meatloaf sandwich. Maybe this one was all right after all. She blew my assistant a kiss and breezed out the door, leaving him wearing that pleased-with-himself expression that was starting to be too familiar on his face. Don't go looking like you just did something clever. The poor girl is deluded, that's all. She'll come to her senses any day now. I don't want to argue about this. I'm making coffee. Better put it in a paper cup, Peaches. We got things to do. A case? Not exactly. Well, we can call it that if you'd like. I think I hate this already. Don't get excited. When is a case not quite a case? When there's no client. Brilliant, Holmes. You've done it again. No client, no paycheck, remember? I'm just showing a little initiative. Look at this. What's this? The Gazette. I've seen it. Not this you haven't. It's an extra. An extra? Nobody does that anymore. Tricks, there's a morning Gazette and an evening Gazette. And today, there's this. 
Who runs an extra these days? The Gazette does. When the publisher's daughter goes missing. What? Sarah Brindle kidnapped. I didn't know they still made typeset that large. Read, Shecky. Read. Sarah Brindle, the teenage heir to the Brindle Publishing Empire, whose assets include this newspaper, is missing at this hour and presumed kidnapped. Royce and Brindle called for the immediate release. Yada yada, dastardly cowards. Yada yada. This is kind of a lot of hyperbole to cut through with two meatloaf sandwiches competing with my brain for blood flow. Just a couple more lines, flyboy. Ah,、uh, yeah, yeah. Fifteen thousand dollar reward for her safe return. Is this what you're salivating over? In fact, it is. Get your hat. Tricks. I like chasing the occasional posted reward as much as the next fella, but kidnapping? Sabian's going to be all over this. He'll have the feds muscling in within the hour. We'll have no access to the crime scene, no physical evidence. I don't mind tilting at windmills, but I prefer there to be a fee in there somewhere. Okay, Mister Master Detective. Here's what you missed in all your yada yada yadas. There's been no ransom demand. No word at all. Brindle's paper is screaming kidnapping, and he's a heavy enough hitter that the cops will have to pick up on the tune. The girl is six months shy of her 18th birthday, so this ain't exactly the Lindbergh baby. She is described as a perfect angel, daddy's little sweetheart. Here's a picture of her at a ball last season. Yowza! That's a lot of talent to waste on a perfect angel. Jack, I know a little Hellcat dressed up like a good girl when I see one. Used to be a. I'll be a mine too. I just didn't have the cotillion budget that Sarah Brindle does. What are you saying? That she kidnapped herself? Or ran off, or did something else stupid, but far, far less dramatic. Kind of a leap, isn't it? Sure, but if she's actually been kidnapped, Sabian will find her, or the feds will find her, or she'll be mailed back to Daddy in sixteen separate envelopes. We lose an afternoon sleep, but if I'm right, I'll leash up the mighty king. And so it was that, over my strenuous objections, we left the office at one fifteen in the afternoon. And proceeded by car to the Westbridge district, where the streets were wide and tree-lined, and you were more likely to run into a poodle trimmed like a sideshow freak than a good honest mutt. The assistant and the girl Friday pulled me along to the Havshire School, where until recent events forced her absence from class, young Sarah Brindle was a student. I have always disliked schools; they were at best full of overly excited household apes with a tendency to pull my tail and talk all at once. If anything, high schools were worse. For an animal with a finely tuned sense of smell like myself, the presence of that much highly concentrated hormones, pheromones, and sweat made for a deeply unpleasant experience. You would think that the Havshire School would be an exception to this, as it was an all-girls academy. You would be deeply mistaken. I waited outside with the assistant while the girl Friday attempted to interview the headmistress, Miss Horsham. Her expression as she came out the door did not suggest that my nap schedule was likely to return to normal very soon. No dice. Nothing. Miss Horsham was quite frosty.、Mm, can't say I'm surprised. She's probably been deluged. She's had a few Asabians boys through, and she's expecting more. But I think we're still ahead of the curve on this one. It won't last. No, it won't. She was on the phone as I was leaving, arranging for extra security. An hour from now, you won't be able to get within a hundred yards of this place. Maybe we should go talk to the father. And spend the night in lockup when Sabian spots us? No, thank you. Tell me, if you were inclined to cut class and smoke cigarettes, where do you think you'd do it? At a regular school, round back by the loading doors. At Pompous High here, who knows? I think I'll take King for a little stroll back to the loading doors. You? Shouldn't I go? They're not going to talk to you. You think a bunch of teenage girls are going to talk to you? I think a bunch of teenage girls are going to come over to pet the dog. Are they interested in a man their father's age in a rumpled suit? They are not. But they are interested in seeing if the man is interested in them, and the dog is an excuse. 
And when they find out that the man is actually a private detective, which sounds ever so much more manly than wealthy industrialist, they will be very keen indeed to spill any secrets Sarah Brindle might have had, if there are any to be known, and if she is in fact a member of their little Hellcat Club. You sound like you've done this before. I do, don't I? Come on, King. I don't know if you've ever been subjected to the indignity of having half a dozen teenaged girls rubbing your belly at the same time. But for the sake of my assistance theory, and in the name of getting this over with, I tried to make like I enjoyed it. As it happens, he was right. There was a good deal of preening and posing taking place in and around the general area of the belly rubs. But I tried not to draw attention to it by allowing a generous pool of drool to accumulate near my open mouth and glazing my eyes over in a near-perfect simulation of one whose keen senses have been overwhelmed with pleasure. Before I knew it, the interrogation was over and the girls were giggling over one of my assistant's business cards as they made their way back into Havshire School. Well? Well what? Told you they wouldn't talk to you. Oh yes? I hate you. That's probably fair. I'm starting to think that you might be right, though. About hating you? No, the other thing. What other thing? The Sarah Brindle thing. What'd you get? None of them would say they don't think Miss Brindle was kidnapped. After all, it said so in the paper, so it must be true. Granted. But she does have a fella. And? A secret fella. A fella daddy wouldn't like. For Pete's sake, Jack, they're 17. They all have secret fellas daddy wouldn't like. Even the ones that have not-so-secret fellas that daddy does like. This I grant you. So what makes this one so special? He's both dreamy and poor. Not what you or I would call poor, I'm certain. He works in a fish market but it belongs to his father. Apparently his name is Ken. The son or the father? The son. The boyfriend. The suspect, what have you. What's the name of the fish market? Captain Nemo's. It's on Vine. Captain Nemo was a submariner, not a fisherman. Jules Verne and I both know this, and we both agree it is at least somewhat beside the point. All right, but before we're done, I'm going to slap someone over that one. That's tough, but fair. Listen, let's get back to the car. I think I see some of Miss Horsham's extra security starting to circle the wagons. And so the assistant... The girl Friday and I returned to the comfortable confines of my assistant's automobile, where, having been cruelly kept awake for most of the early afternoon, I found myself without even the strength to ride with my head out the window. It was just as well, because the congregation of fish shops near the top of Vine Street didn't present any sort of nosegay, even in the chill of the early spring air. It is at this point that our narrative enters into the realm of conjecture, as my able assistant insisted upon making his inquiries within Captain Nemo's fresh fish without the steady hand of the team's lead investigator. I was forced to wait on the opposite sidewalk with the girl Friday, under the cover of sniffing a fireplug, which I was obliged to provide. From as near as I have been able to reconstruct the encounter within the shop, it must have happened something like this. Hello. Would some or all of you gentlemen like to hit me in the face? Ah, get him, me Harveys! Wait. Wait, wait, wait. I have allowed this to continue thus far, but tell the story properly. All right, but I know funny. Just... look, I got this part, okay? Knock yourself out, kid. Hello. Morning. How can I help you? Is Kenny in today? Get the door, Mike. What is this? Teddy. Dex get out here. Well, well. Captain Nemo, your deckhands have been taking their vitamins, haven't they? Maybe they have, smart guy, but you're the one that's about to get his medicine. Oh, and I didn't think fishmongers knew how to banter. 
We know how to do a lot more than that, mister. So I see. Listen, I don't mean to belittle you as individuals or as a group, but part of what I do often includes hurting people, sometimes badly, and you gentlemen are trying my patience just now. Is that a fact? My, what a lovely revolver. You often stick up your customers? You ain't a customer. Fine, I'll take two guppies to go. I'm on a diet. You don't shut up. You'll be eating nothing but lead. Oh, shut up, Grandpa. If you were going to shoot me, you'd have done it by now. So maybe instead you'd like to tell me what Kenny's done that you have to get your shorts so far into a knot when somebody asks for him by name. He's my son, my only son, and he hasn't done anything. Then where is he? I don't know, and I wouldn't tell you if I did. Now I'll ask the questions here. All right, shoot. I, I mean, poor choice of words. Ask away. Well... Uh, not as easy as it looks, is it, Pops? Maybe you should let me ask. I get more practice in. Kenny's not here, but he's supposed to be. And he told you some people might come looking around for him, and you weren't supposed to tell them anything. Am I right? So what if you are? But you had to get creative, didn't you, Captain Nemo? You couldn't just play dumb. You had to try and turn the tables on me. And in the process, you've told me plenty. What do you mean? You told me Kenny's in trouble. You told me he's not here or at home, but he's still in town, probably nearby. And you've told me he's a complete amateur. You're both just lucky I don't mean to do him any harm. You'd never get a chance to do him harm. You hear me, tough guy? I had to call the cops. You can't call the cops. You don't know what he's done. He hasn't done anything. That's just where you're wrong, pal. If you don't drop the cowboy routine, and I mean pronto, your little boy could wind up in more trouble than he knows what to do with. Now it's your choice. Yeah, it's my choice, tough guy. And I ought to drop you right here. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. It is without surprise, though with some dismay, that I note the level to which my contributions to the fighting of crime are underestimated or taken entirely for granted by my able assistant and trusty girl Friday. Perhaps I should be more insistent on getting my due, but it often helps to fly under the radar. Some occasions require a subtle approach, and neither of my humans have ever been accused of a mastery of the soft touch. But now, my assistant was clearly in over his head, and it was time for action. I suppose if you asked her about it, the girl Friday would probably tell you that it was her idea to break from our vantage point across the street and set me loose into Captain Nemo's fresh fish. In the end, it didn't matter what she thought, as long as she played her part properly. Where did that mutt come from? Precious. Precious, come back to Mummy. Lady, get out of here. I'm so terribly sorry. He's not normally so excitable. Precious! You don't understand. Get your mutt and get out of here. Mutt! Mutt! How dare you say such a thing? I ought to shove this Beretta halfway up your nose for that. Holy cats! Don't get excited, Pops. The rest of you get down on the floor. All of you. What's the matter, Pookie? The 45 too subtle for you? Down! How was that for an entrance? You were all right. Rin Tin Tin here was excellent. But the nice, quiet conversation kind of went out the window, didn't it? He had you at gunpoint. And the fact you could see that from across the road didn't suggest he was new at this? Yeah, you're right, Flattop. Nobody was ever shot by an amateur. I wasn't going to shoot him, I swear it! Kenny told his old man that there might be some people looking for him, and he should play dumb. Sounds like Kenny's seen the papers. He coming himself or phone in, Pops? 
Why should I tell you anything? Because we may be the only players on the board that don't want a piece of your son's hide. Well, then what do you want? Ideally, we'd like freedom and mercy to prevail and for it to rain whiskey. But if we can't get that, we'll settle for getting paid. I, I don't have much. Take what's in the till if you want. He has no idea what's going on, does he? He does not. We are not robbing you, Smedley. We are also not gangsters, and you would do well to remember that you drew on me first. We're going to be on our way now. I am taking nothing but the bullets from your gun, and I am leaving my card on the counter. If you hear from Kenny, tell him to give me a call before it's too late, and he just might come out of this all right. We should make tracks. Leash up precious. I'm right behind you. Let's keep moving, shall we? Just getting my bearings. This way. Car's back here. Yeah, but that's all commercial. I'm looking for something a little more residential. Ah, jeez. What is it? I forgot to slap somebody for the Captain Nemo thing. Oh, the day's still young. Where are we going, anyway? Even if the cops are hunkered down waiting for a ransom demand that isn't coming, when word gets to Sabian about our little standoff at the OK Fish Stand, he's going to get interested in a hurry. We're losing our lead. That's because you left him your card, genius. Oh, they'd have figured out it was us sooner or later, Trix. Easier to back up our eventual assertion that we meant no harm if we identified ourselves, yes? It's an interesting point. We go to jail a lot less since you went and got domesticated. Well, it's not flowers and candy, but I do what I can. Let's try up here. What in blazes are we doing? Sarah Brindle is a publishing heiress at a fancy prep school. Meaning she doesn't know beans all about actually living. Exactly right. And Kenny works in Daddy's store. Maybe he's still in school, maybe he's not. But the nearest high school is just up at Brimble. So he may be more streetwise than Miss Brindle, but only within a six-block radius. More or less. The way Papa Bear got his backup, Baby Bear isn't much more than a cub in his eyes. And he really didn't know where Junior was. Is Kenny lives at home? I think he did. And I think right now he doesn't. So we're looking for a love shack. You want to rethink that choice of phrase? I really do. Thank you. So what we want to find is an apartment or a basement flat somewhere in Kenny's comfort zone that was for rent two days ago and isn't now. So we're looking for a sign that only recently came down. Well, when you put it like that, it seems a little bit futile, doesn't it? You know, I believe it does. Hey, King, get back here. You have to give the kids their due. That was some pretty decent deducing. But they dropped the ball at the last possible moment. Who would observe such a minute detail as a for-rent sign coming down? Somebody with a lot of time on his hands who never went inside. There was a bum on the step of the empty warehouse across the street, and I pulled the reluctant girl Friday right to him on the pretense of making friends. Soon enough, even my slow-witted humans had the general idea and had learned that half a block away there was a split level with three units in it. The top floor had been vacant for half a year, until yesterday. If it wasn't a lead, it was the closest thing we were likely to find. And either way, that meant I was one step closer to a nap on the red leather couch. Yes? I'm here to read the meter. Oh, what meter? What meter, he says. You're a funny guy, kid. Look, it's just routine. This apartment's been empty for a long time. Now you move in and we gotta read the meter. Ah, uh, I, I don't know what meter you mean. What meter, I mean. The gas meter. The stove is electric. Well, then it must be for the heat. That's electric, too. It is, huh? Yes. Kid, you're lucky I came around when I did. Why's that? Well, if the gas isn't going to the stove or the heating plant, then where is it going? Well, I don't think... It could think be I... filling up the whole apartment even as we speak. Filling up the... Really? It's completely odorless, you know. 
You just go to sleep and never wake up. Really? Or worse, we get to the right fuel-to-air ratio and one stray spark could blow the whole place to kingdom come. It could? If the meter's not moving, you're probably all right. But otherwise, you might only have a few minutes. Well, you'd better come in and check. Thanks, kid. Don't mind if I do. Say, aren't things like meters usually in the basement? That's an interesting question, kid. You probably should have asked that a little earlier. Don't shoot! I have no interest in shooting, but keep your hands where I can see them. Come on in, you two. To who? Kenny, meet the girl detective in the crime-fighting dog deluxe. Oh, hello there, Kenny. My fresh-faced, isn't he? Down, girl. What do you want? Well, if you're going to pitch me softballs... We don't have much money. We don't, do we? You're as bad at this as your father, and that's saying something. Where is she, Kenny? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you can call me Trixie. What? The underage publishing heiress that you newly shacked up with, Ken. The one whom Daddy's paper says has been kidnapped. You saw that little headline, didn't you, Ken? You can get out of this without doing federal time. And if you play smart, maybe you don't even get wrapped on the statute. But that girl leaves with us now. Where is she? I won't go back. You can't make me go back. Miss Brindle, I presume. Put the gun down, Peaches. Sarah, be careful. I won't go back. You aren't going to shoot me. You work for my father. Technically, we're free agents, but you're right. We'd rather bring you back in one piece. You're after that reward. You'll never get it. I wasn't kidnapped at all. Yeah, we gathered as much. The odds are good that Papa Brindle guessed as much, too. But the reward was offered for your return. It didn't specify from where or whom. See, if your father hollers kidnap, he gets the mighty wheels of law and order spinning. And he can pick up a few talented mercenaries like us with a largest reward and keep your reputation intact. <laughs> reputation. That's all he cares about. It doesn't matter. We're in love. We're going to get married. You're a few months shy there, Romeo. If you'd waited half a year... Half a year? Ah, oh, youth. Look... We found you, and we've done harder things this week. We're only first because we cheated. The cops will either shoot Kenny dead as a kidnapper or bring him up on charges at the demand of Papa Brindle. And if you think she'll wait for you to get out of that pokey, you haven't known many teen hellcats. You take that back. Oh, Tiger, flex some more. I mean it, mister. Take that back right now. No, Ken, I don't think I will. My 45 and I think that we'll say whatever we want whenever we want. This is your one and only chance. We don't care about either of you. But we do have to get paid. You'll never get your money. I won't be humiliated like this. I'd rather end it all right here. Sarah! Kenton, put that gun down right now. Or what? You'll shoot me to keep me from shooting myself? That's right. If you think I can't take the gun out of your hand before you use it, you're wrong. But it ain't like the cowboy pictures. Odds are I'd blow most of your hand off in the process. You might not be worth the whole 15 grand like that, but it'll have to do. And you'll have to go back to the Havshire School a cripple. Oh, God. Sarah, please. If I may make an interjection in the name of expediency. What? We don't have a lot of time here. If the cops get here first, we're all done. Miss Brindle, your father wants you back. Is there any particularly compelling reasons why that can't happen, teen angst notwithstanding? What? He's asking if there's been abuse. Uh, oh, God, no. Ew, nothing like that. Very well. I propose that we cut you in. What? Cut us in? Cut her in. I don't need you. But... She is our quarry, and she has the gun. You are the frail flower of youth we are trying to keep out of prison just now. Your payout is her problem. I'm listening. Equal thirds. Five thousand each for Miss Dixon and myself. This is my partner, Miss Dixon, by the way. Trixie, please. And five thousand for you, Miss Brindle. In cash as soon as your father's check clears. That way, when you come of age, you and Kenny will have a nice little nest egg. Won't have to start up quite so... Rustic. 
just in case Daddy doesn't approve. Well, that's wonderful. But it's so long to wait. Oh, Ken. A person can do a lot with money like that. Hmm, I can see those Hellcat wheels turning. Sorry, Kenny. Well, Miss Brindle? I ought to have more than 5000 I ought to have ten. Sarah? No can do. Our operation will have to pay tax on the entire amount. We give you more than five, we don't make a decent return on the operation. What would you tell my father? The truth. Acting on an anonymous tip, we found you in the empty warehouse down the way. You were unharmed but unconscious when we found you, and we have no idea who your abductors were. You can make up whatever story you like. But if they ever make an arrest, we blow the story. So I suggest you keep it vague. All right, mister. We'll play it your way. All right. I guess we can wait a few months, can't we, Sarah? What? Oh, sure, Ken, of course. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Listen, Kenny, if this doesn't work out the way you hope, here's my card. Sometimes it can help to talk. You know, talk. Oh, by the way, <coughs> Captain Nemo was a submariner. See ya. You done? For the time being. Funny, I assumed you meant slap someone's face. I assumed as much myself. Funny, that. And that was more or less how it went. A quick check of the supposed crime scene to pick up a few details, a short stop at the Brindle spread, and some screaming on the part of Lieutenant Sabian, and we had our reward. Sarah Brindle got her cut, as promised. She managed to blow all of it before she turned 18. The assistant had a little spare change to spend on his lady friend. The girl Friday amused herself with a rebounding Kenny for a few days. And man's best friend finally got his great reward. An uninterrupted three-hour nap on the red leather couch. And it's about bloody time. Blackjack Justice, Episode 41, Man's Best Friend, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Julie Florio, Eric Fournier, Clarissa de Nederlanden, Hans Messerschmidt, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill Hallwake, we're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.mad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020. <laughs>